KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's, <laughs> I keep telling them it's, it's really so hard. hard. So much harder than I mean, the, the cruelty. Yeah. The cruelty here. I'm Alan Liliental, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about the place where San Diego and Tijuana meet. In the last episode, KPBS's Kinsey Moreland and Emily Jankowski introduced you to Dana Dallavetta, a rescuer who saves street dogs in Rosarito and finds them new homes across the border in San Diego. If you haven't heard that episode, you should stop and go back to give it a listen. This is part two, and it picks up right where the last episode left off. So this is a small town between uh, Ensenada yep. and Rosary. Yep. So after a trip to the vets with a carrier filled with puppies that Dana thought might have parvo, a deadly viral disease, Kinsey, Emily, and Dana leave the clean, sanitized office and head to a chaotic animal foster home in Primo Tapia, a small town to the south of Rosarito. We are heading to Maggie. Maggie's one of the... I guess a lot of us don't get our own dogs. Sometimes we do, but people like Maggie who live here will get certain dogs off the streets or they speak the language a little better and they'll ask if you'll sponsor a dog and she'll foster the dog for me so that eases up a lot of pressure I you saw how crowded my house is I can't keep putting dogs in there and then she'll sponsor the dog so that I'll pay for all the medical I'll bring her food and when the dog's ready to be adopted I get it adopted and she gets some money for her time the dirt roads leading to the homes peppering the hills of Primatopia are cut with deep ruts from recent rains. Dana's keys swing back and forth as she navigates through the bumps. Maggie Carrias's house is at the very edge of one of the tallest hills in the small town. The drive is super slow going, so Dana takes the time to tell us about the darkest moments of being a dog rescuer. Yeah, those diagnoses of parvo and distemper. We lost, I think, 18 puppies and dogs to distemper last year that we were caring for. Because some want, we brought it into the house, and it's like wildfire. You do everything you can, you know, isolate in other rooms, try to wash your hands, take off your shoes, and it'll still spread. And so we had to just put them all to sleep. We tried to save some, and then it just costs a lot of money, and then they die. Distemper is like, I think, 90% fatal. Just when you realize you just can't afford to help anymore, and you have to say no. And, you know, you feel like people are sick of you asking for money. And, you know, like... My family, they're not really into dogs that much. I think they think this is a little ridiculous. And, um, you know, why don't you get a real job? So it's sort of that feeling like you're not succeeding. But then you do when you, 
you know, then you'll get that donation or you'll, or you'll, uh, that somebody recognizes. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, recognition for what you do means a lot. And, you know, maybe a lot of people do it just for that. I mean, there's like, I feel like some people are kind of celebrities about it. They're, they take a lot of, I'm a dog rescuer. But it's really hard. It's way harder than I ever thought. So there's always this feeling like, I need to do so much more. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, of course, you get, here, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to do this on your website. You need to do this. And it's like, yeah, I'll just hire a staff. You know, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, I did find that if you ask, like, I put it on Craigslist and just said, rescuer needs help with web page, blah, 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 blah. And now I have a dedicated web guy who does everything for free. Dana says she had to learn how to ask for help, beg for help if necessary. She recently asked for help with her new email newsletter software, and an old friend from high school stepped up to volunteer out of nowhere. She says she's constantly surprised by the kindness of near strangers, all of whom will do time-intensive things for free for the sake of the animals. Dana spent most of her life in New York City. Her life was simple and pretty normal. For years, she never even owned a pet. She did have a quote-unquote real job for decades as an engineer in telecommunications. And on the side, she found her passion in improv, or improvisational theater, where oftentimes your next move is dictated real-time by other actors on the stage or even by audience members. Now, of course, there's no time for things like improv classes. And her life is anything but simple or normal. Dana says in the darkest moments of dog rescuing, her improv training has actually come in handy. The thing about improv is learning, you know, what it is. It's you say yes. You, you learn to say yes. And that's improv. So no matter what your partner or your other stage players suggest or whatever they give you, you say yes. You know, you don't think, oh, I was thinking, no, I was thinking something else. That's not what you do. It's yes. And how as you go through life and you just say yes to anything that life gives you, and what can I do with this? I mean, it really does move you forward. You get kind of stuck in this no place. But in improv, you learn to say yes. But sometimes saying yes is really difficult because... It can feel like the supply of stray dogs in Rosarito and Tijuana is never-ending. Dana blames most of the dog problem on poverty, and some of it on cultural differences. People who don't have a lot of money or time here aren't going to have the resources to get their pets spayed or neutered. And even some folks who do have the time and money won't get their animals fixed anyway. Dana links some of that hesitancy to machismo or manly culture found in Latin American countries. Some dudes just can't stomach the thought of cutting off a dog's manhood. Plus, some people in Tijuana and Rosarito put their dogs on their roofs or chain them up permanently in front of their homes, using them strictly for security purposes. These dogs aren't treated like pets. They're more like security alarms. And oftentimes, those dogs get left behind when a family moves or if the animal gets sick or otherwise becomes a burden. Dana says there are several local rescuers who are working hard to change the perception of dogs in the region. 
And just like how folks in the U.S. eventually came around to the idea of not throwing trash everywhere thanks to a serious nationwide anti-littering campaign in the 50s, the concept is starting to take root here. A lot of them go to this, actually go to the schools and do um, education with the kids. And they say it is changing, but the, the, traditionally, it's, they're not a family member. They wouldn't think of letting them hang out in the house. They're viewed as dirty, right? Uh-huh. And the kids are told to stay away. They're going to bite you, so the kids throw rocks at them. But it is changing. A lot of people are saying that they that have been here longer than me are saying that the change is tremendous, that it used to be much worse, which I can't even imagine because there's so... So bad. There's so many areas. Dana stops the truck. There's a horse in the middle of the road. I decide to help and jump out to lead the horse out of the way. I don't want to run over his rope. Uh-oh. Emily and Dana aren't sure I've got what it takes. Are you good with horses? Uh, I, grew, I mean, I'm a Colorado girl. <laughs> Another horse nearby reared up as I moved the horse in the road out of the way. It was a good reminder that I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to animals. That was crazy. Why do you think he did that? <laughs> the horses looked skinny and not well taken care of, but Dana is strictly a dog-only rescuer. She says there are a group of people who focus on horses. And there's a group of cat rescuers, too. We finally get to Maggie's house, another makeshift dog shelter, and she hops in the truck. Hi. Well, I'm Emily. Emily, I'm Maggie. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, we're going to get you on the other side. So, um, I have two bags of food. Do you want need one? or? Yeah, yeah, I'll pick one. Maggie says she moved to Mexico specifically to become a full-time dog rescuer. She grew up in Los Angeles and San Diego, but traveled to Mexico with her family growing up. So she was familiar with the street dog problem and wanted to help. I used to come here a lot, and then I would, yeah, I just see a lot of dogs on the street, so I said I wanted to, wanted to do something. Yeah. So I just always look down the streets here to see if there's a dog that needs help or something. It's always, it's always a new dog that pops up here, around here. As Maggie talks, she's constantly scanning the horizon. She never stops looking for dogs in need. A lot of dogs, not at this school, at the primary school, down, down the street here. Right now, Maggie has over 20 dogs in her small house on the hill. And she says that's pretty standard. A lady is standing on a dirt road with a small, shaking white dog in her arms. She's yelling Maggie's name and flagging us down, so Dana stops the truck. Her name is Josefina Maldonado, and she's a DIY dog rescuer, too. Josefina tells Maggie and Dana that she needs dog food, so they tell her to hop in the back of the truck, and they'll take her to the nearest pet store. Another thing Dana, Maggie, and Josefina do is feed the street dogs that they can't take in. They even feed people's pets, too, the ones that are perpetually chained up and neglected. And they also give the dogs medication, mostly oral flea treatment. They try their best to keep tabs on as many animals as they can, both the ones they shelter and even the ones they don't. Basically, if they see an animal in need of help, they step up. Well, what about that one that we fed? Remember that we were going to try to, that they tied up? Oh yeah, we're going to be passing by there. The black one? Yes. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll pass by there and see if they're 
The community of animal rescuers in the region is small, and most everyone knows one another. It's funny, you know, when I go to the animal rights conferences too, it's mostly women. Like, there's this guy, Peter Young, who released a lot of mink in Utah, and then he went to prison. And he always talks at the conferences about how it was worth it. You know, he always ends it with like, I served one and a half minutes for every life I saved or something. And uh, he's kind of a skinny little guy. He's kind of handsome, but nothing you would like go crazy over. But boy, at the animal rights conferences, he's like the heat, you know, the stud, because there's no men. We drop by the pet store and grab food and medication. Then we drive back up the ragged, twisting dirt road to a house halfway up the hill where a mama dog and her babies hang out. There's a small brown mom dog here who is severely scarred. And all of the dogs are super skinny. They don't look good. The ladies pull out the pills and the food and the dogs go to town. The women's work is not done. We all pile back into the truck and head further up the road, bouncing along as we make our way to the next stop, a house with a skinny pit bull chained up to a doghouse outside. The dog looks nearly dead and very angry about his circumstances. Maggie hops out of the truck with a plastic shopping bag filled with food and sort of throws it nervously toward the scowling dog. Just give him the whole bag. The dog tears into the bag. He is voracious and happy for the food, but not so stoked about the human who's feeding it to him. Maggie runs back to the truck, and the road, which was bad to begin with, is now nearly impassable. We actually get stuck in a pile of mud, but Dana gets us out through sheer determination. Oh, you gotta get the four wheel. Okay, let's just go back, back this way. We'll go on that other road. Almost para allá, right now? Yeah. Can you see? Not really. Should I go forward or back? She said to go back. She's saying, hit it, hit it, go, 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 go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes a four-wheel four drive in Mexico. <laughs> Y'all are badasses. Josefina's house sits at the top of the hill. Hi, puppies. Actually, it's more of a camper fenced in with about a dozen dogs running around inside a fence that surrounds it. A few dogs are even hanging around outside the fence. Josefina says somehow they just find her. And then she feeds them, so they stay. This dog, oh, sorry, had his neck ripped out, but he's fine. The pit bull got him, but he's he's fine now. Okay, she's gonna go tomorrow. She's gonna give him food if they eat, and she'll bring him here. Okay, okay. We'll, come back. we'll come back next week. Vamos a regresar una semana. Okay, okay, Monday, lunes, lunes, sí. Órale pues, gracias. Okay, bye. It's back to the truck again for our crew. We drive back down the hill and head south to another town along the Baja coast called La Misión. We're headed to what Dana calls the ranch, a large house that doubles as a makeshift animal shelter. The house is actually surrounded by several other rescue houses turned animal shelters just like it. 
Dana shares the house with Elizabeth Valenzuela, who runs another DIY dog rescue operation called Red Barn Rescue. And Dana and Elizabeth have even rescued two homeless kids who now live at this house, a young couple they found sleeping on the beach. The kids now take care of the dozens of dogs at the house. And they asked me if I had work, and I start hiring them to clean up. So now they stay there 24 hours. But it's been a little struggle. Um, they're young. They don't show a lot of initiative. We pull up to the ranch, and dogs are everywhere, inside and outside of the house. Okay, that, that's our house with that orange blanket on it. So the goal is to get this all fenced up and make much more areas. This is crazy. There's my wolf behind the thing. We'll take him for a walk. And Katrina. Those are some of the big dogs. Elizabeth and the young caretakers are inside. And they launch into lots of conversations about poop and parvo. That's that deadly dog disease that causes vomiting, fever, bloody diarrhea, and for many pups, eventual death. What did he say about his poop, though, that it was bloody? Um, it wasn't bloody this morning. He asked me about it, and I said that, that I it told bad. it was the other day. But the... I know it wasn't, like, a consistent thing, but I, I saw it. Like, I know it came out of him. Okay. So there's nothing to do with it? Well, we're going to keep an eye on him. Okay. And, um... Inside the house, the smell is pretty intense. And that comes with the territory. There's hair, poop, and pee everywhere. They do their best, but it's a constant struggle to stay on top of all the messes. Is this all laundry that needs to be cleaned? No, that's all trash. This is all trash. Well, that was a bed from downstairs, and they ripped it to shreds last night. The two-story red ranch house stretches across the hillside. It's huge and kind of pricey, and that's why Dana and Elizabeth have teamed up to share the cost. Elizabeth says even with the thousands of square feet inside and out, they're still nearly at capacity. Dogs are just everywhere. We, we decided that we, you know, unfortunately, space is the biggest issue when it comes to rescue. Everybody wants to help a dog. Everybody wants to pick them up off the street. And then what do you do with them? You know, uh, typically a foster will foster a dog for about four weeks, six weeks. And then the goal is to get them healthy, rehabilitated, and off to um, a, new fa- you know, a new forever home. But the reality is there are so many dogs that we, this is what we do. I mean, this is kind of makeshift until the rest of the ranch, that perimeter fence is built. Yeah, we just, we're just not there yet. But um, space is the biggest complaint because everybody wants to help and there's nowhere to put them. So um, that's our biggest challenge. Tomorrow, a few pit bulls and terriers from the ranch, a few mutts from Dana's house, and a few more mutts from foster homes in Rosarito will be put in Dana's car and crossed through the international border in San Isidro to a tragic to magic adoption event in Solana Beach. For puppies and the cute older dogs, it's actually not too hard to find them forever homes on the other side of the border. But then there are the ones that Dana and other rescuers sort of get stuck with the ones who will probably never make it out of the shelter. to try to 
train him and he just doesn't care. It's crazy. But you know where he came from? He was tied up in Tijuana a couple few years ago and he was chained really tight and I guess the guy used to hit him with a stick. Never let him do anything and a, another rescuer in Tijuana kidnapped him. Oh. And then she called me and I was like, I'm not taking that dog. And then anyway, I got stuck with him. <laughs> oh, uh, hi, buddy. <laughs> I'm not a tall animal. Yeah. See, he's actually really loving to me, huh? But he's never bitten anybody, but I won't take the chance. Dana, Emily, and I leave the ranch and head back home. On the way out, one of Dana's neighbors comes out to say hello as we drive past her home. Her name is Jacqueline Rodding, and she too runs a DIY rescue outfit. It's hard. It's it's hard. It's, <laughs> I keep telling them it's, it's really so hard. hard. So much and harder it's, than we I mean, thought. the cruelty, yeah. the cruelty here. I mean, I reached out to TJ. I know you're on a quick mission to back to Rosarito, but even with all this rain, there was a tiny little black dog about this high, and it was fighting to keep its head above water in the yard, and everything was afloat. And I'm like, I don't need any more, but could someone rescue? I mean, I will, I will take if you could help get it to me, you know. It's, it's so hard. She knows. Well, keep up the good work. We will. All right, my Blood, dear. Blood, sweat, and tears. Thank you for visiting and hope to see you again. Nice meeting you. Months later, on the San Diego side of the border, I stopped by an adoption event put on by Baja Animal Sanctuary. The nonprofit hosts adoption events every first, second, and third Saturdays of the month in Rancho Peñasquitos. What? They said if she doesn't get adopted, that they want to foster her. Okay. Judith Sobel has been volunteering for Baja Animal Sanctuary for 14 years. Hi. Hi. Alan? Yes. Hi, Judy. Nice to meet you. How are you? Thank you for having me. She says people go to the sanctuary's website, pick a dog, and then a team of volunteers will drive down to get the dogs and cross them through the border. In order to cross dogs legally, they have to be a certain age and they're required to be healthy and vaccinated. People crossing the dogs are supposed to be able to show the U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents specific paperwork like a health certificate and rabies vaccination certificate. We have all the paperwork we need. The Border Patrol, they know us. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for 23 years. Once the people come to the event and pick up their dog, the adoption isn't yet final. Baja Animal Sanctuary requires adoptive pet parents to submit to an in-home visit two weeks later. Then, if everything looks good, the adoption is final. The dog has a home. Normally, if it's not working out, we know before the two weeks. We have one coming back today. The mom turned out to be allergic. So the dog comes back. Their money's refunded. We find the right home. Judy says 90% of their labs, shepherds, mutts, chihuahuas, and even pits get adopted because of the high dog demand in San Diego. But they're not stoked about the endless supply of street dogs from Mexico either. That's why the Baja Animal Sanctuary also hosts free neuter and spay events in Mexico. 
Um, it's paid for by donations. So we're making a difference. Being in the animal rescue world can be daunting and depressing. But Judy says the happy endings make it worth all the work. I really love dogs. I really, really love, and I love seeing the change from when they're at the sanctuary, and I've seen them come in half dead. I mean, the change and the, the growth, and then to see them in front of a fireplace in a home. I mean, really, nothing is better, nothing. Next time on the podcast, a church that meets every Sunday at the actual border fence. And on the wall right now, right at the center of the wall, we have a, a table where our communion is going to be set up. And on both sides of the wall, on uh, the Mexico side, we have people uh, that are visiting their friends, their relatives from the U.S. side. Only here can you find a weekly church service that reaches people standing on both sides of the border. Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Nilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. If you like this two-parter, support us by becoming a KPBS member online at kpbs.org. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.